I'm Bill Romanelli, and welcome to A California Affair. California's water problems are truly unlike anywhere else in the United States. The topography of farmland, desert, mountains, and coastline combine to create an infinitely complex situation that makes it difficult to manage our state's water supply. Add a population of roughly 40 million people, and a tenuous situation is now in full-blown crisis. Our state's difficulties managing the water supply are by no means a new problem. Navy Lieutenant Henry August Wise wrote this about California's water problems back in 1847, and I quote, Under no contingency does the natural face of Upper California appear capable of supporting a very large population. The country is hilly and mountainous, great dryness prevails during the summers, and occasionally excessive droughts parch up the soil for periods of 12 to 18 months, end quote. Currently, California is in the midst of simultaneous water emergencies. We've got a drought emergency and a flood emergency at the exact same time. After more than five years of drought conditions, we've had arc-inspiring rainfall this winter and a record snowpack. Yet, the floodgates on our reservoirs are wide open and trillions of gallons of water are flowing out to the ocean. In this episode, I sit down with Paul Helliker with Solve the Water Crisis to discuss our state's water problems and what policies are in the pipeline to help alleviate our seemingly never-ending water crisis. With me today uh, is our very special guest, Paul Helliker, who is the general manager of the San Juan Water District here in Northern California. Paul, thanks very much for joining us today. My pleasure, Bill. Paul is also working with an organization called Solve the Water Crisis. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But first, Paul, most people don't know much about what a water district does. We all just turn on the faucet and expect water to come out. So before we get into the bigger issues we want to discuss today, could you just take a quick one minute and just tell us about what you and your colleagues at the Water District do to keep the water flowing? Absolutely. Well, like you mentioned, we make sure that people, when they turn their faucet on, can have something to drink. So the process of doing that means that we have to collect the water from wherever it comes from. Typically for us, it comes from the American River. And then we treat it to remove the impurities and deliver it to your house through a pipeline network. So let's get into some of the crazier stuff now, starting with this. California has a flood emergency and a drought emergency, both happening right now at the exact same time. How is that possible and how did we get here? The interesting thing is that California has the most variable precipitation in the country. And even within the state, it has quite a variety of precipitation. So I was just looking this morning at the numbers, and it ranges from 80 inches per year in Del Norte County up on the northwest coast to two inches per year in Death Valley. And California gets its water supplies from a variety of different places. So I think you're hearing the fact that on the Colorado River, for example, that there are shortages. Lake Mead is lower than it's ever been. Yet, just a few miles to the west on the Sierra Nevada mountains, the snow levels are the highest they've ever been. 
So it's that disparity there between the different sources that is causing the situation. So in the Southern Sierra, we're going to see flooding of unprecedented levels in the Tulare Lake Basin, which is the southern part of the San Joaquin Valley. While at the same time, we've got the Bureau of Reclamation trying to figure out how they're going to deal with this long-term shortage on the Colorado, which supplies a lot of water to Southern California. Some of our reservoirs are actually letting out water right now because the storage capacity is not there. There was a water bond that was passed by the voters in 2014. It was $7.5 billion to basically provide for storage and conveyance. But my understanding is not one new reservoir has been built. Is that correct? Well, sure. But these reservoirs uh, take a long time to build. If you look at how long it took to build Lake Shasta, for example, Mm -hmm. that was 35 years between when it was first uh, authorized to the point where the construction was finished. So I certainly share your frustration with the fact that the funding has been there and needs to be spent. But uh, they have been working very diligently on all of the very projects that are under the funding. There's seven of them right now. And they're expected to start construction in the next year and then be completed, all seven of them, by 2030. And I know some big ideas have been tried and failed in the past, things like Auburn Dam and the Delta Tunnels. People fought about the Auburn Dam for more than half a century. So while it seems on the one hand the public is willing to support the bonds for these kinds of projects, my understanding is most of the headwinds against getting them built actually come from public resistance to them. So if people like the bonds and providing the funding for projects like these, why don't they support the actual projects themselves, in your opinion? Oh, I think a little bit of it is that they don't like it if it's in their neighborhood the old NIMBY factor. And there's been the concern about building dams, creating problems for fisheries downstream, which has certainly been the case in the Sacramento Valley. The winter-run salmon was listed in 1989 as an endangered species, and that's just below Shasta Dam. So I think that's part of the issue, but I think more and more people are realizing that the systems that we built last century, which were designed for about half the population that we have today, have to be expanded. And uh, even if you talk about groundwater storage and recharge, you still have to have a way to get that water to the groundwater and have enough time for that water to go down into the aquifer. So it's not a simple process. It's going to be expensive and we'll need new projects like Sites Reservoir you just mentioned. That's probably one of the most promising reservoirs that's coming down the road. And we're supporting that not financially, but certainly spiritually. If you wouldn't mind elaborating a little bit more on that, what is the story behind Sites Reservoir? Where are we in the process and what are we looking at in terms of an operational date? So Sites, as you mentioned, has been around as a concept probably for 30 or 40 years. But it really got going during the CalFed days, which was back in the 2000s. And then it was about 10 years ago that they started collecting funding for it from all the different participating agencies. And that was about the same time, 2014 timeframe, when the bond was passed. So since that time, the bond measure required that there be regulations developed and you have to demonstrate that you're providing environmental benefits and get permits and all that. So that's what they're doing right now. And they expect to have that all completed by 2025. That's when they plan to start construction and have it ready to go on in 2030. But had sites been available this year, for example, it would have filled up. Any sense on how much water could have been stored in sites, you know, given our our rainfall this year? If it had been empty and they could have filled it this year, I think it would have been able to to fill. And Sites is a reservoir that's one and a half million acre feet, which is one and a half times the size of Folsom Reservoir. 
Folsom, for example, there's so much water that's up on the watershed now that it could fill Folsom twice. More than 2 million acre-feet of water is ready to flow down when the snow melts. So that's just on the American. So Sites is on the Sacramento, which has a much higher flow rate. And for those who may not know, what is an acre foot and how much water is 1.5 million acre feet in terms of the number of households that would support for a year? So one acre foot is enough to support two households in a year. So one million acre feet is about two million households for the Folsom area. Uh, so sorry, we use these weird numbers. We engineers don't deal well with lots of zeros. So one acre foot is about a third of a million gallons. So it's a fair amount of water. It's a lot of water. It's trillions of gallons. But even when Sites Reservoir is up and running, we know that's not going to be enough. It certainly doesn't hurt. It helps. But that alone won't ensure a truly sustainable and reliable water system. And for that, we know we need some bolder solutions. And that's where we get into the organization you're working with, with Solve the Water Crisis. Tell us a little bit about what that organization is, who is involved, and, and why was it created? Solve the Water Crisis got going about a year ago, and it's a coalition of 26 water agencies around the state. We came together last spring during the middle of the driest year that we've had in the most recent drought, because as you may recall, there was the Colorado River was dwindling and, and drought declarations were announced there. Governor Newsom announced drought declarations in California the year before. And so we were just looking at yet another year when the solution was to just tell people not to use water. Agriculture had a zero allocation, 0% allocation in, in the Sacramento and the San Joaquin Valleys, and they were going to have to rely upon groundwater. So it was just, you know, yet another year of this ongoing saga. So right. we came together and decided that we were going to take the bull by the horns and go talk to folks in Sacramento about what we need to do to solve this crisis. because. We do have a crisis. We've got more people in the state than we've got water for. We have agriculture that needs it. And the fish and other wildlife have been suffering during the dry years. So that was the motivation. And I think you've heard for years now, I mentioned CalFed. That was an effort back in the 2000s to try to make everybody get better together, trying to find ways to solve all the water problems. So our effort was to ramp that up. We've been pretty successful. We've had a lot of press. I mean, the governor himself announced last August that we need to make headway. And he announced he was going to search for 7 million acre feet from different supply sources, from desalination to conservation. And that's a start. We think it's great that the governor has taken that step, but we think that's about half of what we need. I think it was Mark Twain who said, you know, whiskey is for drinking and water is for fighting. Isn't that right? Absolutely. In this effort, one of the major issues that Solve the Water Crisis is pushing this year is uh, legislation in the form of Senate Bill 366. Who's behind that and, and what would it do? Senator Caballero is the sponsor, and she has a co-sponsor in the Assembly, uh, Assemblywoman Blanca Rubio. Both of them are considered to be sort of the experts on water supplies in their respective houses. And so it's great that we have them both co-authoring this bill. The bill is sponsored by the California Municipal Utilities Association, mm -hmm. the State Association of Counties, and also by the California Council for Environmental and Economic Balance, which is a joint environmental business group. So it's a broad range of sponsors. Uh, there's supporters coming out of the woodwork. Uh, we sent our letter of support last week. We've got business groups. We've got environmental groups. We've got water agencies around the state. 
sponsoring the bill. So what the bill does is it creates a goal for water supply, the 15 million acre feet that I just mentioned, that's in the bill saying, this is what we need to achieve by 2050. Everything from recycling, desalination, groundwater storage, new surface storage, even conservation's in the bill. What would you say you see, if any, as the hurdles for getting this legislation through uh, and signed into law? I know it's got a hearing coming up next week, for example. Do you think it'll get through that hearing? And what comes next? I'm pretty optimistic that it does, but (laughs) I was just reading a letter of opposition from a range of environmental groups last week, and they brought up all kinds of things that the bill doesn't do, claiming that that's why they're opposing it. So they're claiming that the bill undermines the State Water Resources Control Board. Well, the bill doesn't even talk about the State Water Resources Control Board. So it's stuff like that that I put together some comments that I sent around to our group Uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. So we're hoping that we'll be able to get that information to the senators on the committee, on the Senate Natural Resources and Water Committee, and push back against these sort of silly comments from the environmental groups. But everybody else I've talked to, like I said, there's a broad range from agriculture to cities to business groups are all supporting it saying, yeah, this is what we need. What other steps are you taking to make sure this uh, this bill gets through? I, I, you mentioned some arguments from the environmental community. Are there any other opponents or, or people who are critical of the bill that you're trying to work with? That's the only opposition that I've seen. It's not surprising. It's, it's just like you and I were talking earlier in the podcast about why do people oppose things? Well, in this case, the environmentalists are opposing the bill because they think it's stealing water from the environment, which it's not. If anything, it's, it's ensuring that there's more water available, you would think. Exactly. If you look at Sites Reservoir, for example, the state funding that it's receiving, the $800 million, can only be used to pay for storing water for the environment. And that's probably what would be the case with future bond measures, that public funding is going to provide public benefits. Speaking of future bond measures, the legislature right now, as I'm sure you know, is pushing a new $4.1 billion, what they call an environmental bond proposal. It's uh, Senate Bill 867. And it's got a working title that's 32 words long. I'm going to go ahead and read it here. It would enact the drought and water resilience, wildfire and forest resilience, coastal resilience, extreme heat mitigation, biodiversity and nature-based climate solutions, climate smart agriculture, and park creation and outdoor access bond act of 2023. If that's not a government title, I don't know what is. But, uh, I don't see the word storage in there, but maybe it's covered under drought and water resilience. And if so, does this bill in any way compete with your bill or the bill, uh, Senate Bill 366, or does it complement it in some way? Well, actually, Senate Bill 366 does not include any funding. So this would be a perfect complement to SB 366. And your reading of the title there, that's exactly all of the categories that are in the bill that would be eligible for funding. But there is actually a category for water supply reliability. So it's not in the title, ironically, but it's actually in the bill. Well, I did a little bit of research and I found out that in the last 20 years, there have been 31 bond measures uh, on the ballot, statewide ballot here in California, and 20 of those have passed. So in your opinion, does that mean good news for this new bond proposal? I mean, we've talked earlier about how the public seems to support these kinds of things. Do you think this kind of a bond measure would pass? Well, I think so. We had three years of drought and now we've got a year of flooding. So if you put drought and floods in, people would probably support it. That's right. It really covers the spectrum, certainly. Exactly. (laughs) So what could consumers or anyone who might be listening now, uh, right now do? If if they want to take action on this issue, do you have any recommendations on where they can go for some information? Uh, Sure. We have a group called uh, California Water for All. That's the group that uh, has sort of evolved out of Solve the Water Crisis. 
and it's composed of a lot of the same agencies plus uh, some others. And there's information there about the background on SB 366. I think the best thing that Californians can do right now is call their legislators and say, pass SB 366. Excellent. Once again, my guest today is Paul Helliker, General Manager of the San Juan Water District, and the website is SolveTheWaterCrisis.com. Although, Paul, you mentioned if folks are very interested in uh, getting behind specifically Senate Bill 366, there's uh, probably a better website to go to. What would that website be? Sure. It's called California Water for All, and there is information specifically about SB 366 and then generally background on, on why we're promoting it. And the website is www.cawaterforall.com. Paul, thanks very much again for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Bill. A California Affair is a production of WMG Public Affairs, a minority women-owned business that has been serving clients across the country and around the world since 2005. Our producer is Brian Beckman. If you enjoy the program, please like, review, follow, and subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts. It really does help. I'm Bill Romanelli. Thank you for listening. Thank you.